Hey, I'm Ray Hudson, and you are, I don't know who you are, but you're listening to Blaugranagram. Don't be like them kids in the Blair Witch Project, and go away, alright? Good afternoon, hello, and welcome to the 11th episode of This Is Enough, the Driven Shot podcast here on Blaugranagram TV. This is also going to be transmitted on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and whatever and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. So, welcome and thank you for tuning in. Today with me, I have uh, our new co-host, Joaf Pedraza from the Blogonogram editorial staff, and also now co-commentator on Blogonogram TV. How are you doing, Joaf? And welcome on board. Hi, Omar. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Happy to hear that. So, uh, how, how have you been doing? You know, we've had the Barcelona games, of course, recently, the one against Paisan Germain. Um, they have one against uh, Wesca later today, which we will be covering on Blogonogram TV and on the Blogonogram website in written format. If you can't watch the game or don't have time to watch the stream, you can, you know, of us commentating, you can always tune in there and, and stay up to date. Um, I think the very, like, the question that's definitely going to be here is how. Barcelona did against Paris Saint-Germain in the second leg because I think that game I, I in my opinion I think they deserve they did they were unlucky to not advance the way I see it um yeah I mean completely at least in the first um half an hour Dembélé had at least two or three opportunities to get on the score sheet and then yeah. um Messi just um well was unlucky or Navas was really lucky to guess where that penalty was shot at but at the end of the day, I mean, they played well. Um, maybe Paris Saint-Germain played even better in the first leg. Um, yeah. And they deserved to go on through because at the end of the day, they had a very solid performance overall. Maybe in the second leg, Mbappé was really nullified by the defense. And specific, well, specifically by Mingesa in the first like 30 minutes. And then Junior Filippo, who was subbed on for Mingesa, also did a very good um, job on containing Kylian Mbappé. But yeah. I mean, team played well. Um, they showed a lot of character. They showed that they didn't want to go down without a fight. At the end of the day, today is also an important day because um, let's remember that, well, Atletico and Madrid dropped points against Getafe in the, um, on the weekend. Um, Real Madrid actually did a comeback against, um, what was the team, uh, Osasuna or? Uh, Elche. Oh, Elche. Um, they were losing one nil, and like at the 80th minute, they scored the first, and then like at the, the 90th, I think. injury time, Benzema scores a beautiful left-footed volley to the bottom right-hand corner um, to win them the game. And truth be told, uh, I was watching part of that game at least, and 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 Elche were containing Madrid for quite a while and pressing, and then in the last 20 minutes, around them, around the 70-minute mark, Real Madrid started pushing, and it paid off. And you know, as things stand, um, as you were mentioning. Real Madrid find themselves second place. Barca third. One point splits the two teams, but Barca with a game in hand. So, of course, could go second. And if they do get the victory today and do go second, they will, they will only be four points away from first place Atleti, who are somewhat struggling in La Liga, uh, to put it mildly. Yeah, and also, I mean, you have to take into consideration that both Real Madrid and Atletico have to play their second leg of Champions League. And if they were to go on to the next phase, um, their their calendar would be a lot more hectic than Barcelona. Because uh, after today that uh, Barcelona play against Huesca, they have basically one month in which they don't play uh, a game in, in, in the middle of the week. They go back to playing just on the weekends. Yeah. Meanwhile, if both Real Madrid and Atletico go on to the second 
well, to the next phase of the Champions League, they would have to face their opponents midweek. Yeah, so that would definitely play a role in, in fatigue as well, as both mental and physical. And uh, Real Madrid's squad depth would have to be a big part of that. But as we've seen, their squad is, they're, you know, in terms of injuries at least, they've been uh, quite heavily struck. And that will definitely be, those will be testing times for, for Real Madrid. For Atleti, of course, a name that a lot of people are mentioning recently is Luis Suarez, who's been really, really solid for them. I think it's it's a signing that uh, has worked out very well. And also, interestingly enough, has worked out from the get-go. He didn't really have an adaptation period. No, I mean, you have to remember, um, he came from Barcelona. He knew the league. He knew basically all of the well, all of the rivals and all the big opponents. So he knew what... Um, what the Liga demanded, but at least what is surprising is that he really did adapt to the style of Cholo Simeone. I mean, he really became that player that uh, maybe Diego Costa never really was, that pressured a lot, that went for every every single ball. He didn't lose any time. So, yeah, I mean, it really was yeah. impressive. Maybe it was time to leave Barcelona, but maybe not sell him to a direct um, rival like Real Atletico de Madrid, but, well. I think, I think yeah, I think if anything, that's probably the talking point for an argument for many is Suarez reached a point where he just would stagnate if he stayed in Barcelona. And, and, and it's evident. I mean, you look at now after he's, he's left Barcelona, joined Simeone, whose passion and, and type of and style wears off on the players. And you can see Suarez is in physically better form than he was in Barcelona. And it's barely taken him half a year to get into that mm -hmm. shape. Uh, get into scoring form again and so on and and it's it's one of those things really where maybe selling him to atleti wasn't the right choice but but selling him in itself was the thing that just had to be done if anything i think i think that you know the smart move probably would have been to try and get a bit more money because in many people's eyes he is a club legend he definitely did a lot for Barcelona during his time there up until the, the latter stages of his career. But he's definitely a player that I think it reached a point where he just had to leave for his own good. And he's, he's enjoying his, he's enjoying life in, in Madrid. Yeah. I At mean, least he um, like it. yeah, I mean, he completely is a club legend. I mean, he broke a lot of records. He's like one of the players that has most assisted um, Lionel Messi during his, well, his whole career in Barcelona. Yeah. So he is a legend. But also, as you say, maybe have sold him for a little bit more of money, or at least, um, well, if you wanted to keep him, maybe give him a more secondary role, um, not give him the full ninety minutes of every single match of the season. Maybe give him, yeah, um, a, well, one full match in La Liga, and then rest him in Champions in Champions League, and so on and so forth. But also, I mean, we have to remember, um, Andre Valverde, Ernesto Valverde, told to the press that. Um, Physical training, all that, all that was not important to him because it was football. But also, they're athletes, so they depend on their physique. And yeah. you can have uh, players like Luis Suarez that are basically tanks, um, not doing physical work because it'll show and they'll look very slow in comparison to um, defenders that are quick or fast. So that's also an issue. Yeah. Well, it was an issue. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think I think a thing to remember as well is, is with regards to that comment is La Liga, well, the past two years, has become a more physical league. I mean, back in 2013, the only real physical team was Atleti. And since then, that's kind of worn off on some of the other teams. Getafe now are an extremely physical team. Atleti Club, maybe because Raul Garcia moved there, became became a more <laughs> aggressive team. 
Um, and, and some of the smaller teams depend on physique because they know that they're playing against teams that like to have the ball that are technically very, very skilled. And so that to combat that, you just have to just try and beat them down, basically. Um, and I think that's something that maybe Valverde wasn't too aware of or at least was was negligent towards because it's it's kind of it's kind of a strange thing as well because on one hand his reign in La Liga was really really solid he won he won a lot of La Liga titles and won them impressively it wasn't just because the other teams in the league were weak at the time i mean some of them were but mostly it was down to good performances in La Liga or at least good performances by very active Leo Messi at the time um, you know, but one man doesn't win you the whole league. It was a team performance. And even then to think that he still at the time thought that physical, uh, you know, that the physical aspect of it wasn't as important, still managed to win three league titles kind of raises the question of, was that the right approach then? Because in the champions league, that's where it really hurt them. It wasn't really in La Liga, was it? No, I mean, um, you look back and you see, um, well, the match against Roma, I remember that I was yeah. I was watching it, and the first, I mean, the first leg, it was so evident that Barcelona overwhelmed them, because I remember like three goals in the first half an hour or something like that, or in, th in the lapse of thirty minutes. Um, but then you look back at also the second leg, and physically they just look uh, well outrun by everyone. I remember that also Nembele um, was coming back from, I think, his first or second injury of. Of being at Barcelona, and he also looked like he was like he had played all the games of um, of La Liga and the whole season, and all that. And also at Liverpool, it showed it showed because um, Liverpool players even having to come back and having to do everything and not having, I believe, Mo Salah and Firmino, they yes. showed a lot more uh, good form than Barcelona. I mean, and Barcelona were, were playing from a position of power. So. That's true. I mean, it, well, also at the end of the day, you can remember um, the A2 against Bayern Munich, which was basically the same team that Valverde left to Kike Setien for just a short time. But, well, I think we've all seen the pictures of um, Leon Goretzka <laughs> and yeah. his incredible uh, transformation under Flick. But, I mean, yeah. that's also at the end of the day because they're athletes. They depend on their physique and how well they perform also depend on that. That's why people are talking about the Bayern regimen. Like when, when Coutinho left to Bayern yeah. um, on loan and he came back, he looked a completely different player because the physical aspect matters now. You're, we're at a point in football now where you can get away with just being an extremely physical team. You can grind out for a draw or maybe even a lucky injury time winner from a corner and it'll work because you just, you know, you, you have the physique to do that. And, and, I think that's something that it seems like Kuman is focusing on. I mean, in my head, I still don't think Sergio Busquets should be playing 90 minutes just because I feel like at some point his body will just not be able to handle it. I feel like right now, given his age, if you play him less, he might last for, let's say, for example, four years. Whereas if you play him for every single game now, especially considering that there are players like Pjanic on the bench, if Pjanic gets a chance and Busquets gets rested, you can have Busquets for three, four years maybe. It may be even a, a sort of a mentor role rather than draining him for the next year or two and then that being the end of it. Um, but one thing I think Kuman has done really, really well is he's actually gone in and 
given a lot of these players, shown them a lot of trust. The youngsters. I know a lot of people will be saying Ricky Puj's name, um, and and you could it could be argued that he does he should get a bit more of playing time. But then on the other hand, I think that you can't play every single player out there. You know, like I I think ideally for Kuman, if he could play Elish, Ricky, Pedri, uh, all the youngsters in the team, I think he would. But fact of the matter is he can't, and Pedri and Ricky play similar similar roles. Pedri has had an amazing season right now, and I think that's a, a, a big part of that is down to the to the training staff at FC Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, and showing faith and actually giving them the, a fair shot. Yeah, I mean, you also have to look at Mingueza that has become yeah. like such an important role in defense, especially now with a three defender role, role system. So, yes. yeah, I, I do believe that Koeman really does believe um, in in the youngsters. And I was also was reading that for the next season, also um, <clears throat> a few names have been thrown into the mix that they will be playing and will be training at least at the preseason with the first team. So. Yeah. We will also have to see because, I mean, the name that really stands out is Alex Collado, the captain of the... Barca B. Of Barca B. And also, if they... Uh, well, I think they've already confirmed that they are going on to the second division, right? I think I think they're very, very close. I'm not... I'm actually not sure. I'm actually But, not sure. Well, I mean, it's also very interesting because we'll see a very competitive side from FC Barcelona, which is actually a lot of the youngsters that I don't think we've seen in a lot of time. I mean, yeah. having three or four uh, La Masia-made uh, players, I, we haven't seen in a long time, at least not since, um, well, before Valverde took over because Valverde really did not give that much chance to youngsters. I mean, obviously, the name Ansu Fati comes to mind, but mm. I think he's really an exception. If, if he hadn't done it, Many people may, probably would have killed him for it, but well, I mean, we'll have to see how it works at the end in a few uh, two seasons. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's definitely it's definitely interesting, and I think that you know, I think a lot of people that were against the appointment of Ronald Koeman initially are slowly changing their opinion because he's definitely done a really good job at managing them as players as actual like on a human level and showing them that he does believe in them and he actually wants to experiment with this team which is something that we've heard in the past hasn't really been much in favor of at least from the from the technical staff um as you were mentioning with Ernesto Valverde for instance he wasn't too much for experimenting he'd rather hold out for the safe bet which is totally fair but when you have as many youngsters as you have it's really nice to see Ronald Koeman actually giving it a go and saying okay well we'll You know, we'll actually try this and this and this and this, and we'll try. He he really really liked the four two three one. It didn't work out. All right, we'll just try something else. And he went to a very radical three five two, and it worked. Yeah, I you mean, know? also I think um, something. I don't think he's getting enough praise for being that experimental. Yeah, and also I think um, Barcelona have really reached that point where um, it's do or do or die, at least with the generational um, like overlay, because as huh. you said, you have uh, Busquets that's well, aging right now. And as well, it's also at that point where if they play him too much, he may not be ready for two or three seasons more. Also, um, you have Piquet at the defense. You have Messi that also, well, sadly is like 32 right now or 33 already. Mm -hmm. So you have like these key players and pillars that have been at the, at the team for so much time that they're basically, it's a routine to see them at play and all that. But also you have to take into consideration that everything ends. And you have to be yeah. ready for that next phase. And 
well, that's what we're seeing right now. Well, what we've been seeing with Real Madrid since um, Cristiano Ronaldo left, they really didn't have a substitution ready for him. And I think that's maybe what uh, Barcelona should be looking for right now, to have substitution for all these key players. Because at the end of the day, they're going to go eventually. Maybe to yeah. retire, maybe to another team or whatever. But um, you have to be ready. And you have to have these, um, well, youngsters and, or other players ready to really fill in the shoes. Because if not, it's just disaster season after season. For sure. And and that's the thing that I think it's it at least, it definitely seems like Barcelona have that in mind right now. With a lot of these youngsters coming to the fore, uh, especially in midfield, knowing that Busquets is not going to be here forever, at least not as a player, um, giving other players a shot, trying Frankie de Jong in somewhat of a, of a register role has also worked out pretty well. Having him being a box-to-box has worked out pretty well. You can kind of see which role he fits into the team and sort of through that know, okay, well, if we are losing this player in like a year or two, this player here could actually somewhat play that role. Would maybe have to alter the system a bit, but that could work. And I think it's really nice to see that they're actually planning ahead now. Um, at least they have been this season. And I think part of that maybe was also why Ronald Koeman was appointed because they figured that he... The thing about him is he's a very... He's, he sticks by his word. If he's, you know, if, if he has a certain opinion, um, he'll he'll just stick by it and, and not really like let anyone shake that off of him and that's something that's helped him a lot i think because when you have to manage a dressing room with these types of players it's not easy uh at all and we've seen that with for instance like kike setien who didn't in my eyes i think could have had uh more i think he would have done more if he had more time but obviously things happen and and maybe it was too early maybe it was the wrong move Koeman has definitely shown him, shown a good side, uh, a good, strong Barcelona side that's competitive. The fighting spirit in the team um, is also something that, that Barca fans have been calling out for for a while. And I think it's also something that shows that the, the youngsters, because they have this sort of passion and drive, is definitely going to help. And giving them the chance early on means that they can slowly adapt to what will be the future Barcelona. Um, so I think that's definitely something to, to keep in mind. And of course, for our lovely audience, I do remember that you can submit your questions down below in the live chat. We will be discussing them as this goes on. So if you have any thoughts, opinions, or just questions, feel free to drop them down below. Um, I see here Fettis says that Kuman's biggest impact is on the mental side of the team. And I feel like that's pretty underappreciated by the fans. I have to agree with that. I think that's, that's very, that's very true. Yeah. I mean, completely because, um, well, the fact that I do that as a team, you can uh, do comebacks basically on a regular basis on the, throughout this whole season. It's a mental side because you have yeah. to be mentally prepared to be, okay, I'm down, but I have to come back and I have to do it really well and playing really well because at the end of the day, um, the Barcelona fans are also um, accustomed for an, a beautiful play style. So yeah. also having that in mind, coming back um, three times in the Copa del Rey and, well, Actually, fans believing that we could have come back in Champions League is also a very impressive thing. And I completely agree. Some fans don't actually appreciate it. But at the end of the day, if Koeman hadn't done it and these comebacks wouldn't have been made, also the fans would have been killing him because, oh, we can't come back. Uh, we're very fragile and all that. So, yeah, I mean, completely. We have to really appreciate it as a manager. Speaking of the fans' reaction, one thing I really, really found interesting is how many people were not 
taking a dig at Barcelona after that one-one draw. A lot of people, and even the club, uh, the club social media staff, and the posts on social media from the club's account and stuff, were really going around with this thing of we're proud of this team. And I think that there definitely is a huge reason to be proud of that team because they did extremely well. They definitely fought for it. And I think it's nice to see that change in mentality from the fans because it's very easy if you're just behind the screen to go, oh, yeah, well, you know, come on, you guys, you're not good enough, all that stuff, right? It's easy to say to a club you support if you're just behind a screen. And so the fact that people actually turned that away from from the negative response to a very positive response and the fact that, hey, it might have just been a 1-1 draw and we're out of the Champions League, but this performance is something that they can definitely be proud of. Every player out there gave the, gave it their all. And with 20 shots and 13 on target, they were somewhat unlucky to not go through. Um, you know, it's just nice to see that change because especially now during these tough times, it's easy to get ticked off at every smallest thing. Um, and I think it's, 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 you know, it's nice. It's wonderful to see that people actually are appreciating the things that, that are being done behind the scenes by the team, by the club, by the technical staff, because a lot of it is not easy. And a lot of it does put on a lot of mental pressure. And, and as Ferris was saying, and as you, as you were saying as well, I mean, it's something that Koeman has done extremely well and his staff as well. I think that's something that they will be remembered for, for sure. Yeah, completely, because at least it is a very good change for Barcelona, because at least the last four years, it was comebacks being made on Barcelona, not the yeah. other way around. So Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of, well, not speaking of comebacks, this is the worst segue ever, but Fara says, do you think Frankie de Jong can be the sole defensive midfielder in the long run? I think he, I personally think he can, but I think it will limit his impact on the game. I think yeah. you need someone really creative going forward to kind of compensate for not having a player like him that just drives forward sometimes. Yeah, I mean, we've seen um, time after time how he breaks actually defenses and midfields by his really, really long dribbles. Sometimes he can take it from like half, um, from the half of um, the whole uh, field half and take it yeah. all the way to the other box. So I mean, it's really impressive what, how he can how he can do it and how he actually uh, does it game after game. So I mean, he could do it, but I will. I would also think that um, you would lose that like X factor that Frankie the Young brings to the mid from the midfield. Yeah, I f fully agree. Um, I fully agree. Let's see here. Uh, Fadis is very true. That's in regards to the comment that you put earlier um, that we were talking about earlier uh, about Komen's impact. Uh, Shashank Shikar says his impact, his being Kuman's uh, on Pedri is the most inspiring thing for fans. A hundred percent. I think it's it's definitely something that um, that a lot of fans are happy for, and, and rightfully, rightfully so. Um, Zayn Shatari, uh, one of our fans, says uh, Kuman hundred percent deserves another season, especially if he can win the double. I fully agree with that. I think uh, I think he definitely deserves another season. Um, and I think he, at the very, very, very least, deserves a transfer window. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, you have to take into consideration this season has been really... It was nothing like we've ever seen before. Um, yeah. COVID-wise, um, restrictions, no fans, basically no money for anything for equipment. And um, he really has done an amazing job with this team because it's basically the same team as the same season. Just a few players here or there. I mean, Pedri has really made an impact, but it's yeah. one player basically the that's been changed 
Yeah. So he has been he has done an amazing job at least so far this season. I mean, we've talked about the comebacks and all that, but he really has done an amazing um, season. In regards to the mental aspect, well, to the well, yeah, the Pedri aspect. I mean, you have to remember he's just 18 and he's um, playing like he's been there forever. And yeah, honestly, you tend highest. to forget. You tend to forget he's 18. Yep. So it's amazing. It's just amazing. For sure. Um, let's see. Saga Kalski on Twitter. Also, just a quick note: this is being currently streamed to Twitter, YouTube, and our Facebook channel, uh, Facebook page. Um, and this will also be uh, posted on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you like to listen to podcasts. So, if you are enjoying this, do drop a like or a retweet or a share or a rating, depending on where you're listening, where you're tuning in. Let us know what you think, and if there's anything you think that we should be doing differently, feel free to say so. If you would like to cop some merch. As they say, if you'd like to buy some merchandise, help support the Blogonogram brand and look cool in the process, go to blogonogram.com slash shop and use code TDSPOD for 15% off your next order. Um, so looking at Psychic Kalisky's comment here, do you really want Griezmann to continue next season or be sold? Of course, um, our sources previously have confirmed to us that Griezmann is on the chopping block for Barcelona. Um, of course, there is time in, in the club's financial situation could change up until the summer transfer window. So realistically, anything can happen. Um, I think that he's done a good enough job to merit staying in Barcelona, and he clearly has the passion and the will and the desire to stay. But I think it really depends on who comes in. That's my guess. I mean, if you put in – if you get Memphis to Barcelona, right, who is one of Ronald Koeman's prime targets – um, if you get Memphis in, Memphis is a similar player to Griezmann in some ways. Of course, not a one-to-one copy, but in some ways they are similar. So, looking at how Memphis, looking at what Memphis would bring to the team, having Memphis, Griezmann, and Coutinho in the same side as Messi is really not going to be a great idea, I don't think. Um, yeah, no, I mean Barcelona are really lacking um, that nine or striker than was Luis Suarez for so many years. Mm-hmm. So I would believe that if Suarez uh, works so well playing with Messi and playing uh, with whatever player on the other wing, that's the kind of player that you need right now. You don't need a Memphis Depay that would actually be more of a, as you say, Griezmann role or more a winger. You need more of a nine, a forward yes. nine that can actually score goals and given the opportunity score the, well, yeah, the opportunities they have in front of goal. So the that's type of strikers that need half a chance. Exactly. Basically. And um, I think that's one of the things that actually the fan base has really gone into against Griezmann because he misses a lot of opportunities. Sometimes he's lucky enough that they go in on an own goal or, or whatever the situation is, but he really he hasn't been that striker that he was that was for Atletico de Madrid or even for uh, Real Sociedad or, oh, yeah, or, yeah. or for the French team. And I mean that's I think the really sad part because I was actually interested in seeing how Griezmann would play, but. I mean, at the end of the day, you need a forward nine that actually can win you uh, matches. And even so, matches are a big stake, such as uh, the Paris Saint-Germain game. So... Yeah. The thing, that, the thing that I'm thinking is I would not be opposed to, to Barcelona keeping Griezmann if they get a number nine and if they can somehow make that work. Because Griezmann adds a lot of defensive work to the team. Adds a lot of pressure, both going going forward and going and, and going back. His passing and communication and his 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 uh, 
link up with his teammates has improved massively, and he does add a lot to the team. But he's not the one you want to rely on as a number nine because, truthfully, he's never really been a number nine. He's always been a second striker. With Lareal, he was mostly a winger. And with yeah. Atleti, he was mostly a second striker playing with a Diego Costa, who is a pure nine. Yeah. And, and sure, he used to be more clinical in the past. I think that this, the change in managers, the change in style has definitely played a role. And he's somewhat lost that one-on-one confidence that he may be used to have. Um, but I think he's improved, like he's, def- he's, he's adding something to the team that you wouldn't really see from any other player. Yeah. If you get rid of Griezmann, you won't see that pre- a player missing a chance up front, then going to defend that left back and actually nicking the ball off of a defender, a striker. That's not going to happen um, with any other player. And that's why, for me, if if Barcelona do get a new nine, say an Erling Holland, for instance, and can keep Griezmann and make that work, I would not be opposed to that at all. I think that would be a, a good compromise. Yeah, I mean that would actually be a good idea, but we also have to take into consideration like the economical aspect because sure. Griezmann is sure. also one of the players that um, actually has the highest wage. Well, the second highest wage or third—I don't remember which one. He has a pretty high wage, yeah. So we actually have to take that also into consideration. That's what also a lot of people say that if we actually sell Griezmann, which doesn't have to be like the biggest transfer in the history of Barcelona, but just with mm. the fact of liber- of having like that free space in salary salary wise it would be like a huge impact uh, positively on barcelona yeah no i can i can you can i mean definitely you can argue for the financial aspect of it definitely helping barcelona out which also would be one of the reasons why he could be sold but if we could if barcelona could keep him and get a number nine in, i think that could work well but again it's hypotheticals at this point um, let's look at some of the questions because you guys have been popping off in the chat, which is great. So keep them coming. Uh, Fada says that PSG game showed our desperation for a number nine. I'm assuming you mean the return fixture that ended one, one. If Usman Dembele wasn't at the end of our attacks, but instead being the touch before that, and we had someone like Holland, we would have made the full comeback in that. I mean, that game definitely, yeah. In the first half, he says, um, that game definitely showed that Barcelona need a number nine that can finish the chances off because, Messi cannot – if Messi makes those runs in behind, there aren't many players that can play the passes that Messi plays. So you no. need him to be the one making the pass. And Dembele is a really good winger, but he's not a great finisher. Yeah, um, yeah. And also he, still getting back into form. So that's also something to consider. Yeah, I mean, Dembele can actually um, score uh, a beautiful goal like the one against Sevilla, but then he goes on to rocket two or three straight ones. And I mean, yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, he's uh, he's a forward, he's a winger, he isn't a pure number nine, but also I think he should work greatly on that because also as a winger, you're expected to make goals, not just runs or assists. So that's also an important aspect of it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Dembele, despite the the, what seems to be what seems to have been a common consensus, is a hard worker, and I'm sure he knows that he should have scored those chances, and he would have on a better day. So. He's looking promising in my eyes, at least. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a positive for sure. Uh, let's see here. Shashank says, if everyone is just happy with only players' development for next season, then Koeman is a good choice. But if you also want to win the Champions League, I don't think he's good enough tactically. I mean, I guess you could argue that some managers are more daring when it comes to tactics. And Koeman is not 
an extremely yeah, I don't know how to really put it in a way that makes sense, but he's not a manager that experiments all the time. He experiments when he thinks it makes sense, and when it doesn't, he sticks to what he knows works, which I don't think is a bad idea. That being said, I think a, an injection of a, of a new coach, a young coach that's just coming onto the scene um, and, and has proven himself at a decently high level, such as the Bundesliga and the Champions League, I think could be an interesting choice. But again, I think for now, Kuman is a good choice. Also, I don't know if a manager like Nagelsmann would want to leave Leipzig right now. Of course, they did crash out of the Champions League, but they have been they have a really interesting project going. Um, so that's also something to consider. I think Kuman has done a really good job so far, and I think that's definitely going to continue. I think once he does get a full transfer window, he'll be able to at least make some impact onto the, the squad in terms of personnel. And I think that's when we'll see the his ideas actually being implemented fully. Because right now, as you said, he's working with pretty much a similar team to the one of last season, with the only exception being Pedri, Oscar Mingueza, realistically, Sergio Dest, and that's it. And Pjanic, maybe. I mean, Pjanic, you could argue, yes. Araujo, Trincao being there. But those players have been more for squad depth. Araujo, Mingueza, Dest have really, really have had an impact, in my opinion. Um Pedri, of course, as well. But it's been a similar team to the one of last season. He hasn't really been able to implement his ideas and said, and been able to say, this is the team that I want. These are the players I want. And, of course, in January, the economical situation of not just Barcelona, but pretty much every club in the world, was uh, it, it's seen better days. Um, so that's definitely something to consider. Um, let's see here. King Leo says, we need to go all out on, on Erling. What do you think of the Koeman in, in situation and about Holland, Joaf? Um, well, actually, I think um, Koeman has done, as you said, a really good job. But also, I have to um, remember that his three-five-two system, I believe, is what the what, is, what uh, he's playing right now. He actually just um, started like uh, four or five matches. So, yeah. I mean, it's also really impressive that he's been doing it on the fly. So for sure. That's also a huge impact right now. It's really, really valuable. For sure. Um, I think on that note, we will end today's episode. Of course, do remember that this will be on Spotify and Google Podcasts and all that good stuff. If you didn't have a chance to watch the whole thing in its entirety, if you were here on the live stream, uh, we'd like to thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, King Leo, Fadis, Shashank, and uh, Zane, Sagakalowski. Thank you very, very much for your comments. Uh, of course, we apologize we didn't get to every single one. Um, but again, whenever we do these live streams, which is every Monday now at 4 p.m. Central European time, do tune in and leave your thoughts, leave your opinions and comments, and we will deal with them as the stream goes on. This show is about having a debate with you guys as well as voicing our own opinions. So we hope we'll see you next time. Do you have any final words, Joab, before we uh, hop off? Um, no, thank you for the um, amazing comments. It really um, helps us um, lead, does. lead the podcast and show us what you really what you guys are really interested in. So thank you for that. And thank you for having me, Omar. My pleasure. Thank you for uh, for taking your time out to be part of this. <laughs> and again, Joav is the new co-host, so you will be seeing a lot more of him. And if you don't think you've had enough of Joav yet, uh, he will be commentating Barca v. Huesca later tonight. The game Join kicks off at please. 9. And uh, yeah, you guys joining in would mean uh, would mean a lot. And uh, obviously, again, 
over there, you can also voice your opinions in the live chat where he will be interacting with you guys and, and, and taking your opinions uh, and, and discussing them. So if you want to kind of have a little one-two going as the game goes on, feel like you're watching it with someone, if you're maybe watching it on your own, feel free to tune in. It's it's honestly a lot of fun. Um, and again, it will be streamed on uh, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook just like on here. And if you can't watch our stream or if you can't watch the game, you can always keep uh, stay up to date with the game on blogronogram.com where we, as always, have full coverage of the game in written format. So on that note, thank you very much for tuning in, Joav. Thank you for being here. And uh, to all of the audience in chat, thank you very much for tuning in. We hope you're all staying safe, sane, and well. And on that note, roll the outro, Phil Shane from BN Sports. We'll see you next time. And see you next time. My name is Phil Shane. And you've been listening to The Driven Shot, hosted by Omar Hawash and the Blaugranogram News Outlet. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you have a wonderful day, and hopefully we'll see you again soon.